Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I wanted to continue along the conversation we were having um, about why people are, are are turning away from from just faith and religion in general throughout this country. And knowing that it's not one answer for fits all, as you mentioned at the beginning of the last episode, there's no just blanket answer. But in a macro sense, we are able to identify a couple of things. You'd mentioned before that people constantly want to replace the old with the new. It's part of part of how things are. It's how technology is. You know, we can make a safer helmet for our, our football players. They should put that on instead of the old one so they don't get hurt as much. Okay, that makes sense. We understand that. But when it comes to some of the basic truths about people, the there's a reason that these these so-called ancient religions are still around. And there's a simple fact that says there's too much to just grasp even in an entire lifetime about the internal truths that that are inherent from nature and from God, from just a humanistic standpoint, before we even dive into the spiritual truths on top of them. There's just so much out there and it takes a lot of time and a lot of thinking to get to this point. And for better or worse, we have this mentality of not being able to assess things correctly, particularly risk. That's just a people problem. And we see one scary thing, even if the likelihood of it happening is incredibly low, because it was so scary, it's on the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, To give an example of that, the likelihood of your kid getting abducted in a Walmart is astronomically low, but the fear of what that would be if it happened to you is off the charts high. So that's why we have developed systems that are developed just specifically in case something like that would happen because it is so horrific, but the likelihood again is so low. So it's those types of events that people can point at nearly everything with a long enough time span predominantly religions is what I'm talking about here because as you've mentioned every person is flawed and over a long enough time span inevitably a mess up's going to happen now obviously some are much worse than others and I'm not trying to diminish anything of that but that's where another mental block that people can have about why they wouldn't want to engage that we touched in before that they see essentially the sins of the people who are supposed to be in charge. Why would I want to follow that? And the truth of the matter is, is that just because someone messed up one thing doesn't mean the rest of their works are wrong. You know, you can go out and, you know, take Pete Rose, for example, one of the best baseball players of a generation. Yes. The guy betted on baseball and that was very wrong. But he can still teach you how to hit a baseball and how to steal a base. You know, that doesn't mean that that part is wrong. Yeah, there's a part of his life that's that's 
it was flawed part of his baseball career. It's deeply flawed. But it doesn't mean he doesn't know this part of it. And I think that that is part of the distilling factor that we just don't have as a people um, in general. So I wanted to start from that standpoint because obviously in the last number of years, there's been a lot of problems that people are pointing out. I know that we've done a lot of episodes about pointing out how unlikely it is to actually be there, but not ignoring or saying it didn't happen. But I'd like to start with that as a starting point about how to overcome these types of objections so we can become closer as a society back to uh, back to faith. Yeah, you made some great observations and I think uh, really important insights for us to reflect on about how our fear of something can be disproportionate to its likelihood, uh, but because of the consequences is so horrific that we want to do everything we can to prevent it. I always think about that in terms of airplane travel. You know, people are like terrified to get on an airplane, but it's much more likely that you'll die in a car accident. People don't think twice about getting in a car, you know, so it's uh, just interesting how, or as you mentioned, you know, somebody getting abducted in a, in a Walmart um, is, uh, is so low, but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting how we get those kind of cognitive distortions. And on the one hand, we want to, you know, help people move that in line with, with reality. Um, and we've developed so much, seems to me, so much stranger danger, as they call it, uh, because of some of those uh, cognitive distortions. Uh, also, you know, we hear about these things. I think uh, one study I was reading was that, you know, we're, we're more likely to be killed by falling airplane parts than to be killed by a shark attack. But because every shark attack is, you know, like in the news, we hear about all of them. And that's so horrific. And we can imagine ourselves being in the ocean and we can imagine all these things. So we think that that's much more likely, but it's actually more likely to be killed by falling airplane parts, um, which we'd never even heard anybody that that happened to. Uh, so anyway, there's just these kind of interesting uh, things that that float around and, and getting in touch with the reality of the situation is uh, is so important. And, and then, as you said, the, you know, the, the reality of us being sort of mixed and uh, everybody's not perfect at everything. And some people do very bad things. Uh, now we want, I think it's important to acknowledge that we don't just arbitrarily do bad things. So you don't have somebody who's a saint in every way. And then also is, uh, you know, molest children or something. <laughs> it's, we're not sort of in danger of like committing horrible atrocities uh, when we've been living a consistently good life and have developed virtue. So there is a consistency in the human person. And, and we rightly look for that in, in our leaders and, and we want to assure that as much as possible. So the kinds of interviews, you know, on the secular level, we look at a Supreme Court justice and say, well, is this guy really integral? Is he whole? Is he good through and through? Uh, or is he good, you know, in one setting and not good in another setting, in which case there isn't a stability, a, a stable virtue that's there. And so the efforts to say, well, has he done good things? You know, let's talk to everybody and get a, get a good sense of that. Uh, that's all very reasonable. What, what becomes a little bit less reasonable is 
looking at something that it, you know somebody did 30 years ago or 35 years ago or something that somebody did as a, a teenager or in the worst point in their life uh, that we don't give any room for redemption is really problematic. Now, again, there are some things, and that's how some of the stuff with the clergy handling clergy who have been accused or committed some sexual abuse, the idea that pedophilia isn't something you can fully recover from, that there is a weakness there that persists. So there are some exceptional cases, but just because somebody said something bad or you know even did something bad many years ago doesn't mean that that person is forever then untrustworthy. And we can be so condemning as a culture, I mean, just perpetually condemning in in those some of those situations so i think that that has become a trend that we have to be we have to look at at least i think it those questions need to be asked and and the questions and the answers are not simple so i don't even want to present them that way um, but then in a broader sense you know can the church that doesn't have maybe good processes for the formation and and choice of clergy uh, that was the case more so. There was a point that we needed to be more careful and we didn't realize it. And so there were some bad choices that were made. And that process was flawed. That process has been changed, uh, developed significantly. But do we say, oh, well, a church that can't instill a good process about the selection for clergy doesn't have anything to say about morality or doesn't have anything to say about meaning in life, doesn't have any wisdom to offer. Uh, so that's a that's very reductivist in, in a way that's not, uh, I think, coherent and not in tune with reality. Uh, it's understandable that somebody who's hurt by a ch the church and a representative of the church would be very hesitant to take anything in. I'm, I fully appreciate that. Uh, but it's reductionist. It's not, you know, there's there's uh, some uh, thinking there that needs to be looked at more clearly and, and addressed. So that all fits, in fact, into the coherent teaching of the church. The church does not proclaim herself to be perfect in some of those human processes. So there's no claim of that. The church does claim uh, perfection or uh, impeccability in terms of teaching on faith and morals. The church, and, and there's a whole structure of what magisterial teaching is, will not go astray in terms of teaching what is good and what is true. And so there is a trustworthiness there that allows Jesus even to say, do what they say and not what they do. You know, listen to what they say and do not follow what they do. So there's a way that human flawed sinners can make up a church that teaches truth, and yet individuals have individual failures. So again, there's some nuance, there's some complexity there. And my <clears throat> concern is always whether people are even willing to enter into that complexity and they just want such simple answers and the reality is you're not going to find any institution that doesn't have serious flaws you're not going to find any other institution which is flawless in terms of teaching truth and morals so that's that's our claim really 
we don't claim to be flawless in every any other aspect. We do claim that we have saints, that saints have been formed by living out the teaching of the Catholic Church. And we have a whole huge list of those that we hold up for public example and public veneration. Look to the saints that have been produced by living out Catholic teaching, Catholic faith and morals. So uh, we like to make those claims, but, but again, we don't make claims that there aren't individuals who have failed even in very significant ways in the present as well as in the past and presumably in the future. But we try to establish processes. Certainly, we try to improve on our failures. We try to grow as a, as a corporate body. No other organization makes the effort that we make to be universal, to take care of everybody, and to claim to have a truth that is good for everybody. Uh, that's an amazing task, and that's not easy. <laughs> it's hard work, and uh, and we're we're always trying to present that and live that and and share that better. But um, but we make the claim and and stand by it. So. Yeah, that's another one of those kind of universal and obvious truths that that you say that I didn't really even think of. But yeah, um, to, to give an example here, if you have an iPhone, you're not going to call up the the Google phone company Android and ask for their type of help, and they want to give it to you. But you don't need to be a Catholic or even a Christian to go into a church and to learn the truths. And again, that's kind of one of those, those universal truths that we just take for granted. And, and, and I realize that I'm suspect to this, the more that I've sat down and thought about it, that yes, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I have always stayed um, within the faith life as far as being a, a, a member within in a church um, for the majority of my life. And there's just so, like I said, so many obvious things that, that are taken for granted that don't really think of possibly as a result of that. And I think that as more people are distancing, we're losing it. Um, you said something in a couple of podcasts ago at the end of it that was um, so easy and obvious that, but important that we don't even take for, we take it for granted, which is that people are made for human relations we, we are a social people. And I think that going along the topic, what you just brought up about us reducing things and not looking at the nuances that even that element, that everything within our being is built to be in groups and, and to have relationships with each other. But because we're not willing to, to dive into the nuances or complexities about an issue, we're so quick to judge about whether or not what is upsetting us in the current moment is even true. You know, there's so much of just, I don't want to learn the facts. I don't want to dive into the nuances and the truth here. We just wanted to have blank outcome happen because that's what we said in this 30 seconds and three years from now, it'll be completely different. Um, again, a caution tale to, wanting everything that's new, um, that doesn't work, but it, it just perplexes me that, that this is a problem, I guess in, in a core sense, as I tried to bring up in, in the prior week's episode is that 
it seems so obvious, but it's also because I'm in a faith life that it looks so obvious. And in a certain sense, I feel like I'm trying to teach someone how to ride a bike that has never even seen a bike, let alone be on one and trying to pedal fast. So it's, it's becoming a perplexing challenge. And again, that's why I wanted to, to devote two episodes upon this because I don't know how we're going to turn people into wanting nuance whenever we're at a spot where we can't even be watching a TV show that we're paying for without checking our phones. Um, we're going so far in the opposite direction and it's almost as if our minds can't handle anything that's nuanced as if we're being trained to handle three set three word headlines and move on, you know, (laughs) and that's becoming a bigger ball coming down the mountainside. That is the avalanche of our society. And it's, it, like I said, it's perplexing and I I didn't mean to to derail it or, or to go sideways on a tangent there, but that's just the feeling that, that I'm getting here. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know any other way to address all of that than to do the kinds of things that we're doing, you know, to uh, share what we can share our conversation, which is certainly uh, a little deeper than people are are generally having to uh, share that within our own circle of friends and family and to reinforce uh, thinking through things in important ways, uh, thinking through big questions questions of life and death and questions of meaning of existence and of suffering i think are important questions to to think through talk through so spreading those ideas admitting our own limitations and thinking about them so that we consult wisdom from elsewhere i would start with one's own religion i suppose uh, what you have easy access to I would propose that Christianity has the fullest answer to all of that and the way to live it. And so uh, obviously propose Christianity to everybody, but just starting with the questions and reflections with areas that are close to us, you know, if you're, if you are a different religion, talk to your own pastor, get started with that conversation. And it helps, uh, it helps a lot. I think, as I said, there are signs of people becoming disillusioned, uh, whether it's the sort of deaths caused by cell phones and cars, you know, or whether it's the, the burnout and uh, anxiety that people are carrying because of such hyperstimulation without time to process things, um, you know, that, that expresses itself in wanting silent retreats and wanting silent time. And, um, you know, I think there are signs that, our humanity is rebelling against the ways that we are abusing it by uh, all of this technology and noise and superficiality and uh, superficial stimulation. So um, I, I see those things happening as I think as Catholics, Christians, we should uh, be ready and reaching out to people before that happens to them, before they get burned out, before they seek out solutions, which will be only partial solutions. 
and will ultimately leave them wanting again, that we should reach out and offer what we have. And um, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's evangelization. That's really what we're called to do. Yeah, I, I just fear that sometimes when we use the, the the church words, if you will, such as evangelization, that it, it gets back into to some of the things that, that we were talking about before, just a, a an element with it that just says that's old and I don't want to do that. And, and as a result, we never really dive into how it can work. How, how does the nuances of that actually work? Um, you know, most people, when they think of evangelization, they don't put it in a modern times context. They hear about the, the disciples in the gospel going out with just their sticks and no sandals and hoping every villager's nice to them or leaving. Um, and, and that we just have such a, a difficult time translating examples from the Bible into modern day life, thinking that that was only applicable to those people in that desert 2000 years ago. And we're so far different from those guys. How can, how, how could it matter? But at the end of the day, as you said, the spirituality, the truths of the spirit um, and the truths of the morality in many ways are the basic fundamental blocks of society. And they have been perfected through lifetimes of studying and research and meditation. And as the result, the church can accurately make the claim that these work, you know, if you sit down and actually follow them, you know, you follow, don't murder each other. Don't try to steal each other's goods. Don't cover what each other wants. Don't lie. You have a better society than when people who only are lying and murdering each other, um, you know, it's just a way that it is. There's a reason that the pirates of the uh, 1700s never really established a country because they kept lying and murdering to each other. It just didn't work. Um, so it, it's it's something that's basic, but we're missing the the nuances of it. So, Father, I, I do want to give you a chance to, to give the final word here in today's episode um, as we conclude and move forward into next week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, again, I thank you for bringing up the question and for some of the, the insights you provided and, and just the opportunity to offer some insights that come out of this kind of conversation. That'd just be my encouragement for our listeners to ask those kinds of questions. I think, um, you know, there are a lot of, well, one of the other problems with, we mentioned uh loss of credibility because of the failures of certain individuals, um, but, uh, and also the, the loss of credibility because our, our religion is old. And I think there's also a, a loss of credibility in the kind of uh, churchy language like you talked about, uh, not knowing what that means or how to apply that. And I think there's also a loss of credibility because people don't know what the church teaches, you know, and again, it's so much the focus of our podcast is to try and talk about things in a way that are more an extension of our lives and that connect with our daily experience rather than just using these kinds of religious concepts that seem to have no connection with our daily lives. So um, that's, you know, there's work involved in that, but, but it's so worth the work to plumb the depths of wisdom. And that's something 
which again, uh, Jordan, I'm not uh, a sales spokesman for Jordan Peterson by any means, but I really appreciate the way that he has gone into Christianity, not in a superficial way, but in a, in a very in-depth and insightful way. I have heard him say so many things, and it's given me some uh, new insight or new way to approach questions and problems. And But he's really tried to take Christianity on Christianity's terms. He hasn't tried to impose his own prejudices against it. He hasn't gone in trying to prove it wrong. He's gone in saying, "There, I know there's something good here, or it wouldn't be around this long. So let's figure out what's good here, and how does this correspond to what I understand and to my life? I think that's just such a, a admirable integrity to approach things that way. So I guess uh, that would be you know, my encouragement for our listeners, too, to think about things, take the time to do that, have deep conversations, try to be aware of uh, your own prejudices and, and why it is that you're not willing or to share or not willing to receive, uh, where, where the uh, understanding might be inadequate and could grow in that. So it's just a lot. A lot that we can do, and then we really have something to offer as a remedy for our times. It really is somewhat something for everyone that will bring uh, healing and hope and growth and uh, help people to move forward in their lives and live in fulfillment. So, well, well thank you for for those final thoughts here. And yeah, there, there's absolutely some true things that are broken and don't work don't last. It's just the way that it is. So <laughs> we're saying it's a loss of a credibility that it's been around in terms of the view of the culture. But if you really look at it objectively, um, it wouldn't still be around if it wasn't built right and, and done right. You know, we wouldn't have the Empire State Building standing for over 100 years if something was wrong. And this has been around for 2000. So just something there to think about. We do thank everyone for listening and helping us to grow the cast by telling those around you. And we continue to ask you to do so. If you haven't yet, please give us a, a star review there on whatever subscription site you are pulling the, the cast from, as that is also helping us come up higher in search results when people are searching for our type of content. So thank you, everyone, and we'll be with you again next week.